third week of the three simple rules, and so you should know them by now, right? Even if you haven't been here, um, even if you were here once before, they are do no harm, do good, and today, stay in love with God. So stay in love with God is Reuben Job's interpretation of John Wesley's third simple rule, which was attend to the ordinances of God. So you might say, what is an ordinance? It's not actually a word we use, is it? So according to Wesley, the ordinances of God are public worship of God, the Lord's Supper, private and family prayer, searching the scriptures, Bible study, and fasting. That's John Wesley's list of the ordinances of God. Ways that we stay in love with God, practices that we take on, things that we do regularly in order to be in relationship with God. So, Reuben Job, in his book that we're basing this series on, Three Simple Rules of Wesleyan Way of Living, has a different list of ordinances. And his includes a daily time of prayer, reflection upon and study of scripture, regular participation in the life of a Christian community, including weekly worship, and regular participation in the Lord's Supper. That's what we do here, right? Weekly worship and regular participation in the Lord's Supper. Doing some act of goodness or mercy and taking opportunities to share with and learn from others who also seek to follow the way of Jesus. So that's kind of a long list, isn't it? But I bet we could add to it. What do you think are some ordinances, some ways, some practices that help you to stay in love with God? Yoga. changed by being in this relationship with 
is it that we are better people because we are in love with God? Because some people claim to be in love with God, and their lives don't seem to be overflowing with love and compassion, which is how I understand God to be. And how I aim, if I'm in love with God, my life should be overflowing love and compassion in my understanding. So these words of Sister Joan Chittister gave me some insight into this about the power of ordinances, about the power of contemplation, which I believe is an ordinance. She says, It is not circumstances that make or destroy a life. Anyone who has survived the death of a lover, the loss of a position, the end of a dream, the enmity of a friend, knows that. It is the way we live each of the circumstances of life, the humdrum as well as the extraordinary, the daily as well as the defining moments that determines the quality of our lives. Yet each of us, has the latitude to live life either well or poorly. Ironically enough, it's a matter of decision, and the decision is ours. Time presses upon us and tells us we are too busy to contemplate, but our souls know better. Souls die from lack of reflection. Responsibilities dog us and tell us we're in too involved with the real world to be concerned about the spiritual <coughs> questions. But it always is spiritual questions that make the difference in the way we go about our public responsibility. <coughs> Marriage, business, children, professions have all been defined in ways that keep contemplation at bay. But no one needs contemplation more than the harried mother, the irritable father, the ambitious executive, the striving professional, the poor woman, the sick man. Then, in those situations, we need reflection, understanding, meaning, peace of soul, more than ever. We need to be reminded that we are in love with God and God is in love with us. And if we don't step back from the busyness of our lives to do that, if we don't take time out on Sunday morning or any day of our lives to stop for a minute and remember who we are and who God is, it is easy to forget. It is really easy. Some of that time with Dawn. Um, and 
I um, talked with my massage therapist about the bodily stress that I would experience over a weekend because there was really no way I could come out of that experience without being like as tight as a wall. And she would say, well, could you think about relaxing? Like, could you just breathe and relax during that? And I looked at her like, how in the world would I do that? Like, that sounds like craziness to me. Um, and then I actually like tried. I was like, okay, like maybe, maybe this is possible. It's not possible at all. Um, so I moved to Maine, and I moved from my massage therapist, uh, massage therapy, to osteopathic um, treatment, and then to um, occupational therapy um, on a regular basis with those like big, heavy massaging things that like get your body to move from like total state of solidness to maybe slightly relaxed. <laughs> um, and then I went to a different osteopath who's much more effective and um, got some temporary relief at times in that way. Um, but nothing really helped much until I started practicing yoga on a weekly basis. And, um, and even then, it took me years, years, of practicing on a weekly basis to understand that I had control over the position of my body and the state of my muscles. And that I could do what Liz tells me in class every time we do it, stop clenching your face. <laughs> Relax your tongue, let go of your chin. It does not all have to be right there, right here. Right, it doesn't help at all. Your face is not a muscle that you need to flex, but you do it. I do it all the time. So back to my remarkable experience this week. Um, last Monday, um, around noon, I was on my way back from taking Gloria um, to her summer internship on the campus of her college where she's working in a lab. And I was driving on 93 North during um, the traffic really wasn't that bad, but the rain was pretty hard on and off. And um, I came to the entrance to the tunnel, the, um, I think it's the Tip O'Neill tunnel, the big one, you know? Um, and the cars in front of me were suddenly slowing down and sort of veering out of the way of one another. And so I put on my brakes and they went, you know, like they didn't respond well because there was water there. And um, you may or may not know that last fall, I was on 93 going north and with my children in the car after trying to see Gloria and we pretty much totaled the car by running into the car ahead of us. So this was not exactly a relaxing experience for me. Um, but nothing happened. And we moved on through the tunnel, all of the cars together in a very orderly way. And the thought occurred to me, I could actually stop clenching my jaw. I could actually move my body into a position that is not the tight, 
ball of tension that it previously would have been all the way to Maine and probably for the next several days, that it was within my control to let go of the tension of that moment and to not carry it with me. And that is a total God thing. But it is not something that descended to me from on high as a gift. It is something that arrived because I practiced. It is something that was possible because I made an ordinance in my life of letting go, of making space, of understanding that I don't make anything better by holding it all inside of me. I actually make it worse. It God was with me. And it wouldn't do any good for me or anyone else to hold on to the muscles in my neck and my shoulders. And for me, this is why we attend to the ordinances of God. This is why we adopt practices. This is why we connect with Christian community. We need to be taught. We need to be reminded. We need to be shown that even though life is not always easy and light, it is possible to live in a way of love towards others and towards ourselves. It's not just about doing those acts. It's not just about checking off the boxes. Yep, you're here today, good job. If you're not doing it in a way that changes who are, if you're not doing it in a way that changes how you live, what good is it? So we hear this message in the book of James, in the second chapter, which is the chapter before Alan read a couple weeks ago about taming the tongue, the impossibility of taming the tongue. And so I'm reading from the book of James in the second chapter, beginning with verse 14. My brothers and sisters, what good is it if people say they have faith, but do nothing to show it? Claiming to have faith can't save anyone, can it? Imagine a brother or sister who is naked and never has enough food to eat. What if one of you said, go in peace, stay warm, have a nice meal? What good is it if you don't actually give them what their body needs? In the same way, faith is dead when it doesn't result in faithful. Someone might claim you have faith and I have action. But how can I see your faith apart from your actions? Instead, I'll show you my faith by putting it into practice in faithful action. 
good that you believe that God is one. Ha! That's what it says. <laughs> ha! Even the demons believe this and they tremble with fear. Are you so slow? Do you need to be shown that faith without actions has no value at all? As the lifeless body is dead, so faith without actions is dead. Maybe you've heard that or remember it in a different version that says faith without works. to attend to the ordinances of God. But if they don't help you stay in love with God, and therefore love God's world, is it worth anything? Bishop Reuben Joe said, Spiritual disciplines keep us in that healing, redeeming presence and power of God that forms and transforms each of us more and more into the image of the one we seek to follow. Spiritual disciplines make us like Jesus. It is in these practices that we learn to hear and respond to God's direction. It is in these practices that we learn to trust God as revealed in Jesus Christ. It is in these practices that we learn of God's love for us. It is where love of God is nurtured and sustained. Incorporating these practices in our way of living will keep us in love with God and assure us of God's love for us in this world and the world to come. We need touch points to remind us who we are. We have practices that connect us with the heart of God and with the community of saints. But if we just go through the motions, all of our beliefs aren't worth anything. We have communion every week at Hope Gateway. Do you know that? And we believe that we encounter God in this feast. And we believe that it changes us. We also believe that it is not just a gift to us. It is a gift that we receive and then we give to the world. Because it is God's love that fills us to overflowing. In a moment, we're going to sing a song that says, let us be bread. Let us be bread, blessed by the Lord, broken and shared, life for the world. Let us be wine, love freely poured. Let us be one in the Lord. It is not just that we receive these gifts. 
is that this ordinance, this practice, changes us, transforms us, makes us different than we were, helps us to actually become bread, bread that is broken and shared and life for the world. It helps us to become wine, which is love freely poured, not just for us, but that we are a part of love flowing to the world. We are bearers of God's love in this way. And it is because we practice. It is because we attend to the ordinances of God that help us to be bread and wine.